Welcome to Style with Substance, a podcast by The Vendeur. I'm your host, Lucy Kebble. plus a few bonus episodes, we'll be talking about the myths and greenwashing that surround sustainable fashion. Join us for discussion with industry insiders, tips and generally geeking out on the glory that is ethical fashion. We're back. Did you miss me? Be honest, you did. After taking a short break, I'm back on the mic to bring you part two of season two. I have to admit, I enjoyed recording this season so much, even through multiple colds, that I sort of overdid it and ended up having to split the season into a two-parter. I'm really excited for the next few weeks of releases, but I won't get ahead of myself and spoil any surprises. In episode 13, I am chatting with Natasha Buchler, co-founder of A Kojo Market. Founded in 2019 with Annie Rudnick, Akojo Market is an e-com platform championing independent and ethical brands across Africa and the diaspora. But instead of hijacking the glory, it acts as a tech enabler, providing direct routes to market for brands and makers and bridging the gap between designers and a possible customer base in the West. Since launching last year, they now have 40 brands on the platform, ranging from fashion and jewellery to homeware and beauty. Natasha and Annie are passionate about creating a unique retail experience. They are passing the mic, as it were, to incredible brands rooted in sustainability and ethics. Brands that are merely lacking a springboard to new customers. It's all about the stories and the makers. Natasha makes it clear that this isn't about appropriation. The brands are very much in control. Instead, it's about building an appreciation of people who live a fundamentally sustainable lifestyle and have been forced away from this natural path because of a Western appetite for fast fashion and a disregard for waste. A Kojo market plays huge importance on financial independence. The market's innovative impact tracker shows us that it's not just a worker who benefits from fair pay and working conditions, but their many dependents too. Colonialism and Western-style capitalism took agency away from these people and Okojo Market are putting it back in their hands. I had a few connection problems during the recording, so apologies for the patchy sound, but despite this, I know that you'll love this conversation. Thank you again for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Don't be shy, we love to hear your feedback. And please share us with a friend to help us spread our message of a sustainable and ethical lifestyle. Hi, Natasha. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. So can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and why you're speaking to us today? Sure. I'm the co-founder of Akojo Market, along with Annie Rudnick. Um, Annie and I founded Akojo Market in 2019. So we're a fairly new company and we are an e-commerce platform championing independent ethical brands from across Africa. Um, The journey really began a couple of years ago when I was transitioning from working as a consultant, um, mostly conducting due diligence and investigations for companies that were looking to go into sub-Saharan Africa and partner with local companies or individuals and wanted to do background checks. And on my travels there and um, spending time working and living in different parts of sub-Saharan Africa, I met the most amazing designers and creators that did not have a direct route to market. And I really wanted to provide a platform for them. 
Um, Annie's family are from Zimbabwe and Annie has a background in fine art and contemporary art and has worked for some major art galleries in the UK and the US and together we work to create a Kojo market. So why why did you feel that it was important to do this now? Sure I really felt that there was no one platform for brands to sell their products directly to consumers in the West and in the UK predominantly, where we currently only um, sell products, and specifically to get their voices and their stories across and the stories and narratives of their makers and the traditions and the cultural heritage behind the making of the products directly to new audiences. So let's talk a little bit more about the brands that you sell on the website. You mentioned there that they're exclusively from the African continent and you work with about 40 of them. And I really loved when I looked at your at the Okojo Market website, how varied the brands were, but obviously they are all rooted in ethical, responsible manufacturing, sustainability and transparency. So how do you go about choosing the correct brands that fit into well first of all what are your criteria and and second of all how do you go about vetting those brands to make sure that they're correct for a kojo market sure it's a really good question and we like to think that what we're doing is quite innovative and new in its process even though people are talking left right and center about ethical sustainable brands um because my background was in due diligence and investigations, I'm really well versed in conducting that vetting. And I understand what you need to do to speak to people about what's going on in their supply chain, what risks they should be looking out for and how to report it to you. And I bring that dimension to the assessment of brands that we take on our website. Um, Annie has a background in fine art, contemporary art, and she really curates the website and works out which brands and their products will fit with the aesthetic of our site. So together, we sort of meet in the middle and we work out which brands are a good fit for our site. Um, I guess our criteria is quite broad. We work with brands that um, are either from Africa and that's sub-Saharan Africa and North Africa or are currently in the diaspora and have part of their supply chain in Africa so there's a connection back to Africa and some of our brands also are launching some incredible philanthropic projects that give back to communities in Africa so there's that distinct link which is absolutely fundamental to our site in terms of the curation and selection of brands we pick brands that sell products ranging from accessories homeware clothing gifting kids beauty so really wide range Um, and the design and look is very much about ensuring that the brands are preserving traditional craft while designing in very cool cutting edge ways Um, When it comes to the ethics and sustainability aspects, that's a lot more complex. Um, Essentially, all brands have to maintain high standards of human rights and um, labor standards as an absolute fundamental. They have to have a number of other sort of, I don't want to use the word compliance, but policies and procedures in place to protect the safety and financial independence of their workers. And when it comes to sustainability and practices that would ensure 
preservation of the local environment and minimal impact that their manufacturing processes have on the environment, it's really case by case. Each of our brands do different things to help in that regard. Some um, are really strong at using natural dyes when they're dyeing their fabrics. Others use um, brass to turn it into jewellery. Gabrielle Swimwear uses a really innovative fabric to make her swimwear. Really different processes that each of our brands go through um, but to vet all of that we have quite strong due diligence processes in place they start with a conversation with a brand to ensure that our mission is aligned to their values and that they are also as purpose-led as us then we have a due diligence questionnaire which forms a key part of our onboarding processes and once we receive the information back from that, we have another couple of conversations to probe that a bit deeper and see what areas they're also not doing so well in that we can support them in. And we have had brands say to us that they don't believe they're there yet in coming on board on our site once they see the questionnaire, which I suppose acts as a natural filter. But we really do want to work with brands who aren't necessarily the gold standard to help them. And so we do a lot of that behind the scenes. And of course, we'd love to see all of the workshops and meet the designers face to face. But at the moment that's that's really difficult to do so just in terms of how we vet our brands on their sustainability practices we are aware that each of our brands operates in a different um, country community region and have different strengths when it comes to sustainability and preservation of the environment ultimately we want to see a commitment to minimizing harm to the planet in manufacturing their products um, But each of our brands does something really different. So we have some jewellery brands that use old metals and brass and recycle and upcycle that to make beautiful jewellery. We have an amazing South African swimwear brand called Gabrielle Swimwear that uses really innovative fabrics that are recyclable. Um, Same with Parla sunglasses. Um, A lot of our brands have um, made-to-order collections only or upcycle fabrics that exist in the ecosystem. So we don't have prescriptive standards on what one brand must do to be on our site, but everyone has to have the intention to improve when it comes to sustainability practices. Okay. And when it comes to the intention of how to improve, how do you guys monitor that? Do you put goals in place for them and 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 support them or yeah we again aren't prescriptive with that we have conversations in the onboarding process to find out what their targets are and what they hope to achieve and then we'll routinely have conversations with our brands about how they're meeting those targets um something that we do is we operate a drop shipping model which means that products get sent directly from the maker to the customer One of the reasons we do this instead of a wholesale model is that it means we have an ongoing relationship with our brands and we're continuously talking to them. So it's the opportunity to say, how have you been over the last few days or where are you in achieving these targets? Um, And it's a real collaboration and we are just helping them to grow as businesses. Amazing. That does sound very thorough. And I I hope that's a model that other e-commerce marketplaces are going to see and hopefully adopt so I wanted to ask your opinion on something (laughs) I've been listening to an amazing podcast called The Root um, which is being hosted by Dominique Drakeford on the Conscious Chatter podcast Um, listeners to the podcast have probably heard me talk about this before because I think it's a really important series of of podcasts but um, I wanted to ask you more specifically about something that Dominique 
advocates for, which is that African makers and creatives um, and African Indigenous people, I think, across the diaspora are more predisposed to being sustainable because of how they've always lived. And I agree with that. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at sustainability. What What are your thoughts? I completely agree. I think um, the podcast is excellent. And I, I think you've really pulled out a key theme, which is a narrative we really try and um, explain and push out to our customer base and audiences. Because sustainability is a term that's become overused and um, non-meaningful in yeah. many ways. And really, when you look at the way that many communities and individuals live, not just in Africa, but specifically in many countries and communities in Africa, especially in rural communities, there's such a harmonious balance with the local environment. And I think that's probably what Dominic's talking about as well, is that this relationship has become subverted by fast fashion and by consumers that live so very far away from natural resources and the natural resources that go into production of our clothing and our accessories and apparel. Um, So I think it's this balance, this harmonious balance, and generally having a greater appreciation for what you need rather than what you might want. There's, There's very little, you know, disposable um, clothing or waste. And I think that's a real lesson that we could all learn. Yeah, for sure. So we spoke a little bit more earlier about the way that you work with your brands. How specifically do you encourage them to be transparent? Because transparency is a really big theme on the Okojo Market website. For us, transparency is everything. I don't think you will ever encounter a brand that is 100% ethical, 100% sustainable, even if they've got to the heart of what that means. And what you really, really need for these things to be achieved is transparency, for there to be communication about how it's going, what's happening in the supply chain, who is working on a particular project or actually manufacturing a product, where are the raw materials coming from? The visibility is something which we've come to appreciate, but now we need to go beyond visibility. It's not good enough just to know. We need to understand the implications of knowing what we know. And um, actually something that the Roots podcast does talk a little bit about, and it's something we are huge proponents of, is financial and cultural sustainability. Um, The ability for makers and all people in the supply chain to be financially independent, to have decision making put back into their hands. So transparency is vital in understanding the situation, but it's only vital in understanding the situation if we can improve upon that situation. And that's really our objective in doing what we do. Um, So we work with all 40 brands to have transparent, open communications about what's going on. And then we know what to improve on, which will only help these organizations to grow and help their artisan makers to become financially independent and empowered. Of course. I wanted to touch a little bit more about something that you just said when you mentioned about giving people agency and, and empowering them through through employment and through money. Yeah. Do you think that that's, that's sometimes an issue with sustainable brands that are based in the West? They outsource to Bangladesh or Pakistan or places in Africa and they are claiming to help workers 
but there's never much of the worker's voice through fashion. I mean, I think I'm probably also talking about cultural appropriation here, and I don't think we've got time to go on to such an expansive subject. But do you agree that there's there's a definite difference between the way that brands should work with their workers in order to give them that power over what they're doing? This is such a hugely complex issue, but basically everything you're saying is music to my ears. Um, <laughs> we, we absolutely are not going to sort of sit here and pick apart other brands because that's not the best way to deal with this. But the core at a Kojo market is giving a platform to other makers, brands and um, small businesses in Africa to relay their own story, their own narrative and push forward the products that they're making as their own and authentic. And that really is at the heart of what we do. We do not like to be considered a brand. We really like to be considered as a platform or a tech enabler that provides makers with an audience in the West. Um, Cultural appropriation is a huge topic. It's so difficult to understand the nuances and make sure that you fall on the right side of them. Um, But absolutely, our priority is to be as direct from maker, brand, designer, however you wish to call it. Composition of each company that we work with is very different. Um, But giving them a direct channel, sales channel, communication channel to customers that are really looking for authentic pieces that come directly from where the materials are sourced and the makers exist. Yeah, because arguably that is a really quite large barrier to entry into the marketplace, isn't it? There are if you if you were to go anywhere in Africa, there are so many talented people making amazing things. And it's a story that I hear quite a bit from people who say, I went to Africa and I saw this amazing artisan making these beautiful things and I just had to bring them back with me. And I sometimes find that a little bit problematic, but at the same time, they're providing a platform for these people. So I quite I really like the way that you guys have have done this in that you're correct you're you're being a tech enabler you're you're allowing these people to do what they do best but you're giving them that extra little nudge and that extra little bit of know-how to get them in front of the right people who want to buy their product. That's exactly what we're trying to do. It it is problematic when someone goes to a market and finds something beautiful and brings it back because there's no long-term development in that situation. It's purely a one-time transaction, which is sort of the same as a wholesale model. And actually, you don't know who really made the product and whether the person that you've dealt with is the front-facing person there. You don't know if a child has helped or has just solely made that product. And there's a lot you are, you also don't know. It's the same with wholesale orders. When you put a large order through to an artisan maker who's not necessarily equipped to fulfill that order quickly, they might subcontract it to people that you have no visibility of and therefore don't know their circumstances. And that could include forced labor, child labor, trafficking. So it is problematic. And I think you know there needs to be consideration for how you properly equip the makers to have their own business and to own their operations their business operations yeah exactly so we we talked a little bit earlier about the fact that transparency is really important to you and you encourage your brands to be transparent 
another thing that I really liked about the Okojo Market website when I was having a look around was that you have an impact calculator. Can you explain a little bit more about Firstly, what is an impact calculator for anyone who's who's not aware, but also how it works and why it's so important for you guys to have this available for your customers to see? Absolutely. We started from the very beginning of our existence trying to track impact. Impact is a complicated term. We do consider ourselves to be a social impact business, but we also don't want to position ourselves in any way as um, saviors or white saviors. It's not our intention. I think the point of calculating impact is to understand collectively what we and our 40 designers are achieving in um, building workforces that are made of um, dignified workers that earn enough to send their children to school and to make financial decisions we started calculating impacts based on a number of different criteria, mostly um, number of people employed in each of our brand supply chains on a permanent or a part-time basis and the conditions that those people worked in. In terms of number of people impacted, we use the metric of um, an employed person times 5.5 because that's sort of the um, UN or um, NGO community statistic for how many people benefit from someone that has permanent salary and income wow Um, yeah so we use the 5.5 formula and times it by the amount of people that are in the workforce across our combined supply chains and since 2019 that number has dramatically increased because of the amount of brands that we've taken on and the amount of bigger brands we've taken on with larger workforces so we do have really lofty goals to increase the impacts. Um, Currently, we think it stands at around 8,400 people, and that includes beneficiaries of philanthropic projects as well. So we do bring that into the calculations. And by 2021, we will have 50 designers on our site and looking to impact the lives of over 10,000 people. That said, there needs to be a huge awareness for the sort of softer skills impacts that you're delivering and that includes um, general appreciation and awareness of ethical businesses from across Africa and the training that goes on within the supply chains to ensure that the workforce are there for the long term and they can build on the skills that they know to generate more income. I didn't realise that it also included people affected by the philanthropic work that the brands do and that it's it's sort of that far-reaching I think it's so important when brands are telling us that they have a low impact or they have a a positive impact that they're telling us what that impact is so it's really great that you guys have put the work in to actually a to understand the amount of people that are involved in this because so many brands would have literally no idea how many people were even in their supply chain let alone how many dependents they had so yeah I think it's a really interesting thing for your customers to be able to see and interact with because they have a very real idea then of the impact that they are having when they purchase through a Kojo market. I, I, I agree. I'm not going to say that we've cracked it. We haven't. Measuring impact is incredibly difficult, but I think you need to know what you're measuring in the first place. So something that we have begun to do is really clearly articulate the impacts we want to measure. So um, people employed in the supply chain is absolutely one of them. 
we are also putting together very clear targets for measuring impact and the impact we want to achieve. For example, we want to see a 30% increase of women in the workforce by the end of 2020. Um, We want to be able to see the lifestyle of each of the workers and artisans to ensure that they are achieving what they want to achieve. Um, We have sustainability targets as well, including eradicating plastic from the supply chain, capturing water usage and carbon emissions, the types of materials that are used, for example, biodegradable or um, upcycled fabrics. So really clear impacts is the way is the only way that you'll be able to measure it. And now we're starting to work with external experts to understand how to measure those impacts over time. Oh, that's interesting. I'll be looking out for those then, because, yeah, like I said, I think it's really important that brands can actually demonstrate to their customers Put, put their money where their mouth is, as it were. Absolutely. And it might seem like a complicated subject, but it isn't. If you think about, you know, whether you're a brand or a customer, what's your non-negotiable that you just wouldn't be proud of doing if you knew that that was happening in the supply chain or proud of buying if that was in the supply chain? And then really following up on that and just asking the right questions when you've got clarity of what you really care about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Natasha. It's been a really enlightening conversation. And yeah, I hope people can go to a Kojo market. I'll obviously pop a link in the show note for people to go and have a look around and have a look at the impact calculator and, and enjoy the brands that you have on offer there. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. And I think the one thing I just want to add is that this has been an unbelievably challenging year for everyone, but particularly for people that work in the informal sectors in all across the world, but mostly in sub-Saharan Africa. Going to work is really, for many, um, a hand-to-mouth existence. They need to go to work to put food on the table at the end of the day. And lockdowns have caused a stop to that in many regions. Um, So really just being able to keep the income flowing back to the makers is has never been more crucial than now. Thank you for joining us today. And please make sure that you check out Akojo Market's website. I'll leave a link in the show notes for you. Their range of brands is really beautiful and incredible. I feel like I want to buy everything from them. And I hope that you agree that Akojo Market is a really interesting concept for future marketplaces to take on. As Natasha said, they're not a brand. They're cheerleaders at the sidelines, quietly shining a spotlight and lifting up other brands who, let's face it, really deserve it. As always, please subscribe and leave us a review in the show notes. We love to hear from you and it helps other people to find us. Join me again next week for some more sustainable myth busting.